Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. Now, I'd like to request to stand as we read God's Word. This is a long reading for us again, but there's no better thing to do but the Word of God be read in our midst. God's Word in itself has power, and I pray that even as we listen to the reading of His Word, it will already minister to you. Genesis 30, starting from verse 25. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, that I may go for you, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. As Jacob said, To him, you yourselves know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything if you will do this for me. I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep, every black lamb and spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer me, answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if I found If found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white sticks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the stripe and the block in front of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler, Of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the fibbler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks. 
female servants and male servants in camels and donkeys. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that has our fathers, that was our fathers, and from what was our fathers, he has gained all his wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the stripe shall be your wages, then all the flock bore stripe. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and has given to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that though we are still guilty of doing things in our way, yet God, you never failed to provide for us in ways that we could not explain, that we may understand that life is about your grace and that we might mature. Lord, we humbly ask for your blessing as we come into your word today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God's unexplainable provision, his way of communicating, his faithfulness to his word. I think all of us would agree that God's way of providing for most of us um, cannot be explained. How many times have we find ourselves calculating our budgets and in our calculations, it is not enough? How many times have you hit a wall and you feel like you could, not, you could no longer get through it? I was a young pastor with a wife and a daughter. My wife at the time was not working, and the salary of a pastor in our previous church, from our previous church, was quite huge. It was 2000 per month, if you, are, um, if you are married. It was 2000 per month, and being preoccupied with where would I get the provision? Where would I get the provision? Where will I get the money to feed my family? I found myself thinking of some people who helped me in the past already and thinking, when would he help me? I fixed my eyes to some people that I thought can, can help me out. Oh, this elder, he promised me that he would 
be there with me as I jumped into full-time ministry, he surely would help me. I was trying to see where the provision would be coming. I was anticipating it. Maybe here, maybe there, maybe to this person, maybe from this sister. I was trying to calculate everything. To my shame, not as far as I remember, not once was I able to anticipate where the provision would be coming. How can we really anticipate God's provision? Can we? If, if you are one of those Israelites and you were in the wilderness, nasa wilderness po kayo, kasama po ni Moses, and there were no food for your family, would you be able to anticipate that God would send bread from heaven? Uh, would you be able to say, I know what you would do, Lord. Sky flakes will come from heaven. Or would you be able to anticipate that, that we are so thirsty, Lord, we do not know where to get this one, but I know what you will do. You will bring out water from the rock. Would you be able to anticipate that? There's no way for us to anticipate that. There's, there was no way for them to anticipate where God's provision would be coming. Now, having said that one, my action as a pastor, young pastor back then, and maybe you can relate to this one, shows that we are, it shows our immaturity. It shows our immaturity. I would say, I'm not immature until you are tested where you are weak. Immaturity does not simply mean doing the things that are unacceptable in the society. That you're not supposed to violate traffic. Or you're not supposed to get this and that. Things that are unacceptable from the society, but even things that are acceptable. What do you mean things that are acceptable? Things that are acceptable even in the church. Let me give you an example. You see a young man, a young, a young father, who worked hard for his family. Who worked hard for his family even late at night over time just to provide for his family. You look at that person, you look at that father, and you say that father is a responsible father. We might even be tempted to say that father is a mature father. But let me argue the fact that we can be seen responsible, but until the focus is God himself and not simply our needs, that is not maturity. Maturity is when we do things with our eyes fixed on God. What hope do we have, we who still focus on our felt needs? What hope do we have, we who cannot, even right now as you think of yourself, you, you're not focusing on the will of God. You're not focusing on the will of God. You're not asking the question, what is the will of God for me? The only thing that matters to you is where am I going to get the provision? The only thing that matters to you is, can I send my children to school one day? The only thing that matters to you is my future family. The only thing that matters to you is that your 
your, you can be successful with your work. Any, anyone here who's like that? And if you're saying, I'm guilty of that, what is our hope? Is there any hope for me who is still guilty of focusing on my felt needs instead of God and His will? Our passage today speaks of this. And I want to preach this sermon with the hope that knowing how God will provide in ways unexplainable, in ways unexplainable, to confirm His word to us will change our focus from our needs to His will. As we get to be as we get to be um, assured that God, because God is faithful to his word and that he would really provide for his needs in ways unexplainable, I pray that your focus will change from your felt needs to the will of God. Job has been very immature. He cared nothing but his love for Rachel in Genesis 29, verses 1 to 30. It's all about love for Rachel. And he failed to uphold the truth of God in his leadership to his family. Remember, his wives were telling him, Job, uh, Jacob, do this. And he would simply do what his wife asked of him, regardless of the fact, or despite of the fact, that he knew that babies will come only through God. Only God can give babies. Very immature. And even in our passage today, Genesis 30, verse 25, all the way to chapter 31 and verse 21, he continued to show that immaturity, particularly in thinking of the welfare of his family. In thinking of the welfare of his family, focusing on that instead of the will, instead of the plan, instead of the word of God. Genesis 25, verse 30, in your scripture, and again, I would like to encourage all of us to bring your physical Bible with you. It's still good to see that everyone are opening their Bibles instead of turning on your device. Genesis 30, verse 25, it says, As soon as Rachel, as soon as Rachel had born Joseph. Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own country. Now, highlight that one. As soon as, ja- as soon as Rachel had born Joseph, another son was added, and we know that his favorite wife is Rachel, and the son of Rachel, Joseph, will also become his favorite son. So Joseph, as soon as Rachel had born Joseph, they seem to be the motivation, they seem to be the reason that Jacob wants to go back to his own country. Like any father is quite worried for his growing family. He wanted to make sure that he was a good provider. What's wrong with that? He seemed to be a responsible father. In his words, in verses 31 to 30, sorry, 30 to 31, in answer to Laban's pleading. Remember, Laban pleaded, don't leave. 
Laban has always been deceptive. Laban said, For I have learned through divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Why don't you just say that I see how my things have prospered because of you? This is to keep Jacob. In answer to that, he said in verse 29, You yourselves know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. So note that one because later on that would be a factor. Jacob knew that the Lord was the one who blessed him. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? When shall I provide for my own household? I have been slaving you, I have been, I've been serving you, but I have a growing family to feed. In seven years, 11 babies. Not bad for a father, isn't it? Anyone who can tough that here? 11 child in, 11, in seven years. He just wanted to, to, to provide for his family. And these words, send me away. He said, send me away. These are, these are words reminiscent of the servant in Genesis 24 after he learned that Rachel was the one whom God gave for his master Isaac. He said, send me away back to, the, to my master's household. Send me away. But the tone here is that after 14 years, after 14 years of being in Haran, part of Padan Aram, Jacob never felt that Haran was his home. He still felt that security was not in Haran, but back where he grew up, probably like the OFWs today, where you always look forward to the day you go back to the Philippines, maybe do business here. There should be nothing wrong with this. If this is not ultimate, if this is not the main focus, if this is not simply done for your family, but that this is also the will of God. Yet, in saying he wanted to go home to his country, it reminds us of God's promise for him. God's promise for him in Genesis 28 verse 15 if you remember, God said, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. That's the promise. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Now, this seemed to be the main thing in the story. I want to connect some passages here so that we can get the meaning of the passage. So we find that one in verse 25. But if you jump to verse Chapter 31 and verse 3, the Lord also mentioned that one to him. He said, return to the Lord. Uh, sorry, return to the land of your fathers. And then if you jump to verse 13 of chapter 31, there we go again. Also, now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Which, this is the will of God for him to return, but 
later on we see that this is not the focus of Jacob. Would Jacob just be concerned of his family? That's the question there. He would be returning to the, to the promised land and that is God's word for him. That is God's plan for him. That is God's promise for him. Would he focus on the promise of God or would he simply focus on his own family? Obviously, if not of the intervention of God, the word of God would not have been in the forefront of Jacob's decision. Would not have been. He was simply looking at his own family. He was solely making the decision for practical reasons. In fact, I want to prove that point. When, when um, Laban said, stay with me, and he said, how about my family? And Laban said, okay, I'll give you whatever wages you want. Jacob stayed. Jacob stayed for another six years. So he was not thinking of God's word. He was simply thinking of his own family, which is a mark of immaturity. Now, I'm sorry for this, and you feel like, really? But really, if, if you're just simply thinking of your future, if you're just simply thinking of your career, if you're just simply thinking of your bank account, if you're just simply thinking of your children, without God in the picture, it is a mark of immaturity. And remember, this is important because remember, we started this part of the book of Genesis saying that this journey of Jacob to find a wife, God met him, he's encountered with God, and God turned this journey into a spiritual journey. And while Jacob was not faithful to that, God was faithful to that. Isn't that good? That every step of the way, God was working in the life of Jacob through his grace and through his power so that when Jacob gets back to the promised land, he is a changed man. Why can't Jacob just simply settle down with earthly things? Why can't we just settle, settle down with being responsible of our felt needs? Well, why do we focus on our felt needs more than God in the first place? What do you think is the problem with you? Are we having a hard time believing that if we simply obey God, He can provide for us? Isn't it the root of it all? That when we take God out of the picture and we simply think about our future, we are having a hard time believing We are having a hard time believing that if we simply obey God, God can provide for us. That's why many Christians can never live that way. They would never seek God and His righteousness first and believe that all these things shall be added unto them. Most of our lives is, I want to seek all these things, and if I gained all these things, I will seek God and His righteousness after. I'll be circling around this idea. This is the message I want you to take home with you. We need not to focus on our needs alone, but the will of God, because God can provide in ways unexplainable. 
to confirm His word to us. Let me say it again. We need not focus on our needs alone, but the will of God, because God can provide in ways unexplainable to confirm His word to us. That, that is an assurance as we live our lives. So I want to draw two main points this morning. First, God can provide through unexplainable ways. Cannot be explained. And this should be a kind of antidote, di ba? Panglaban doon sa ugali natin na kailangan nakakalculate lahat at if hindi pasok doon sa calculation natin, then that's a no-no. I'm not going to get that because it's not, as far as my calculation is concerned, not enough, even though it's the will of God. How did God provide for Jacob in this story? In verses 31 to 34, we find some sort of gentleman's agreement between Laban and Jacob. Then after hearing Jacob saying that he wanted to provide for his own household, Laban asked, what shall I give to you? Verse 31a. What do you want? What salary do you want? Name your price. Now Jacob did not want any fixed salary. He didn't want any fixed salary, but ask for the least. If you may, he asked for the least thing, actually, if, as we study this part. Maybe if he knew of God's favor of his life already, which we find in verse 29 to 30. He said, God blessed me. Maybe that's where his confidence was drawn. Actually, what Jacob was asking was the abnormal thing to happen. It's the abnormal. It's not the normal. Genesis 31 verse Genesis 30, verse 31, I'm sorry. It reads, Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every lamb, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and, the, and these shall be my, my wages. What he was asking from, from Laban was the speckled, spotted sheep, and every black lamb and every speckled and spotted goats. One author wrote, Normally in the Near East, goats are black or dark brown and sheep are white. This is the normal thing. So sheep are white, plain colored, but he's saying what my wages will be the spotted and speckled and striped. The normal goats are or the normal goats are black. Am I right? Yeah, the normal goats are black, but he's asking for the speck and speckled and spotted. And sheep, he said, the black ones are mine. And they, these are the abnormal colors as far as goats and sheep. So Jacob's suggestion here to Laban 
is to give him the abnormally colored sheep and goats, which was normally, they said, would only comprise 20% of the flock. Normally, just 20% of the flock. And the spotted and speckled goats were very rare, not even 20%. The deal was actually favoring Laban. It was favoring Laban. As shepherd at the time to say, 20% will go to you, that shepherd will not say yes to that deal. I'm the one who goes out of the night. I'm the one who brings it under the heat of the sun. I'm the one who did everything and you will just get your part and you get 80%, I'll get 20%. That's not a good deal. But of course, Levi knew that, I don't know, he might probably be thinking, Jacob, you're so ancient and you do not know how business works. How did you think about this? And he knew exactly this is a good deal for me. That's why in verse, what, that's verse, Thirty-four. Laban said, good, let it be as you said. Extending his arm, his hands to shake and say, business, we have a deal, right? They have a deal. And Jacob was not thinking, maybe you're thinking, oh, I know you, Jacob. You're a deceiver too. But Jacob was not thinking of deceiving Laban in this. And that's why you find in verse 33, he said, look, I will not cheat you. I'll be very honest. If you find a white sheep, plainly colored sheep in my flock, it should be considered stolen. If you find a goat, it's not supposed to be on my flock, it will be considered stolen. In fact, to make sure that things will be favorable to him, make matters worse. Laban wants to make sure that the deal would be favoring him. In verse 35, he removed all the male goats that were striped and spotted. And all the female goats that were speckled and spotted. Everyone that had white on it. And not only that one, every lamb that was black, he removed it. And put it on the charge of his sons. Verse 36 ended with saying, Then Jacob um, pastured the flock. Actually, what happened is that what was left for Jacob were white sheep and plainly colored goats. I'm a student of genetics when I was in college. I am a biologist and I studied genetics class. At this point, the probability is that Jacob would have smaller than 20%. Genetically speaking, a plainly colored coat has a very little chance to produce speckled, spotted, and striped goats. There would be zero to little chance for the white ship to produce a black ship. Only in our families we have black sheep. No, not here. 
Knowing Jacob, he should have a plan. Uh, he should have a plan. He surely have seen how God blessed him and he probably have leaned on that. He probably have put all his trust on God, don't you think? Now let's read Genesis 30, 27 down to 37 down to verse 43. Just plain reading and I'll be explaining every a little thing every step of the way. Our passage is quite long and so we cannot go through the nitty-gritty detail of everything in this passage, but I will be stopping along the way. So Jacob took, took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled with, so tinanggal niya po yung balat, tinanggalan niya ng portion yung balat, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the traps, dun po sa inuman ng mga flock, and since they bred when they drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, the striped sticks or spotted sticks, depending on the design that Jacob did, made on those sticks. And so the flocks, so that was the plan. Do you think the plan would work? What do you think? Try that today. Get a dog. Get a dog, male and female, and if you want the collar to be striped, put a stick right in front of it and put multicolored collar there and let them mate in front of it and let's see if that would be the collar of, you know. Let's see. Is this a good plan? And yet, we are told, verse 39, the flocks bred in front of the sticks and so the flocks brought forth stripes pickled and spotted. How? And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the stripe and all the block in the flock of Laban. So what happened is that he made the lamb face the spotted, speckled, and the block so that even the lamb would not be white Block. Would this work? Verse 41. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the chops before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the fibbler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So, and this is another strange conclusion. So the fibbler would be Laban's and the stronger would be Jacob's. And if earlier it was surprising, this is scandalous. Verse 43. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants, and male servants in camels and donkeys. The man increased greatly with his great plan. Even with the advancement of technology today and you do the science, you do the technology, you get your experts, study this thing that Jacob did, this will not work. This is nothing like applying my skin with whitener and, and uh, expect that I will be as 
fair-skinned as Piolo Pascual. It's ridiculous. I want you to feel that what Jacob here did is, is laughable. This is plainly ridiculous. This is impossibility. And yet again, we are told that they brought forth stripes, pickled and spotted, and Jacob increased greatly. If not of God, that wouldn't have worked. And just a little bit of a sidebar, just a little bit of a sidebar. I'm not yet in my point, but just a little bit of a sidebar. Didn't this remind us that many things, many times we think that because we work, it produces something. And we're proud to think that we were able to produce something because we worked. When the truth of the matter, oblivious at the fact that if God did not bless your efforts, you would not produce anything. This is not only true with our ridiculous ideas, but even with normal things to do in life. Remember, James said, remember what James said, that when we are trying to produce something on our own, you are like a mist trying to get things done. That's exactly what he said in James 4, 13 to 16. He said, come now, you say today, tomorrow we'll, do, we'll go to this city, spend a year there and make profit. And, and, and James said, who are you? What is your life? You are like a mist. Here today and gone tomorrow. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the will of God, we will do this and do that. James' point is that when you do that, when you rely on your own strength, when you rely on your ridiculous ideas, when you have your own plan, you are like a mist trying to get things done. Can a mist get things done? Maybe we always want to get credit on what we do, but Maybe it's time for us to humble ourselves and begin acknowledging God. How did it happen that such a ridiculous plan of Jacob worked? Look at the intervention of God in verse 4 to 13 of chapter 31. This will be a quick reading as I will go back to this text later on. But just to explain to us, how did it happen that such a ridiculous idea of Jacob actually worked? Verse 4 of chapter 31. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see what your father does not, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. But the God of my father has been with me. Now that's the reason. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flocks are spotted. If he said the stripe shall be my wages, then all the flocks bore stripe. Thus God has taken away all the livestock of your father and has given them to me. That was the explanation. Not because he puts those goats and sheep in front of a peeled poplar branch.
this is, by the way, the first time that God tangibly intervened. If you're going with us, God was there, but he was not speaking to Jacob. He was not. I don't know if God spoke to Jacob in between those 14 years, but they were not recorded in Scripture. So as far as the Scripture has recorded, after his first meeting with Jacob on his way to Padan Aram, 14 years have passed. And this is the, the first time that God spoke to Jacob again. Which tells us that even when Jacob or God was not speaking to Jacob or now that God was speaking to Jacob, all this time, Jacob prospered because of God. It was all because of God. God was the one responsible, after all, for the prosperity of Jacob. He didn't want Jacob to think. Maybe God finally should have spoken. Because maybe Jacob would think that it was because of him. And God wants to make sure that Jacob understood that Jacob, your plan would have been completely ridiculous. Completely laughable. It, it, should, have, it should have been a plan who could not even rise. But because I blessed you, there you go. You remember the mandrakes with Rachel? Rachel thought that she can be pregnant through the mandrakes, that fertility drug. And yet, it was still God who gave the child, not the mandrakes. Not the fertility drug that he was taking. This is the same theme, which tells us shouting in our face. That again, we think that our ways, it is, it is about our ways. We think we get some ideas of the world and we, and we you know, we, we use those ideas of the world thinking that they by themselves can work. We are in our work and we see the compromises and we begin to think, I will not perform well if I will not do what they're doing. I need to do what they're doing. What, when you think about that, you have forgotten the fact that it is not about what you are doing per se. It is about God who blesses us. God can provide in unexplainable ways. In fact, God's way of providing is always unexplainable. Here's the way he wants, he provides. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. The point is that give so you would have more. I mean, that's just bad mathematics. Give so you would have more. Look at, for example, 2 Corinthians 9 verses 8 to 11. It reads, and the context here is you be a cheerful giver. That's verse 7, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he who distributed freely, he has given to the poor. 
His righteousness endure forever. Verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. It's saying the way to experience God's faithful provision is not to keep on thinking of the provision, but to be preoccupied on uh, sowing. To be preoccupied on how to be a blessing. That's supposed to be the preoccupation. In Psalm 37, verse 25 to 26, David wrote Psalm 37, verses 25 to 26. Here's what David said. I have been young and now I'm old. If I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He's ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. So what he's saying here is that he said, I've never seen the righteous. You are in your office and there are compromises, but you stand in righteousness. And you think when I stand in righteousness, I will not get what the unrighteous get. But David said, I'm old. My hairs are white. I have been living for years and I have witnessed everything. And here's one thing I've witnessed. All the time, I have never seen the righteous begging bread. That it is not about doing unrighteous things that we might be supplied. It is about standing for righteousness. Because once we stand for righteousness, God can provide in ways unexplainable. How many of us, how many times I have heard a testimony from us saying, if not of God, it would not have worked. Some business are saying it was impossible and so on and so forth. If it was not of God, it wouldn't have worked. We need not to focus on our felt needs alone. Oh, I think, is it wrong there? Is it saying we need to focus? Please don't flash it. We need not to focus on our felt needs alone because God can provide in unexplainable ways. See, focusing on our uh, being preoccupied with our needs, everything, and that's our preoccupation instead of God. Isn't it true that it will make us do not only ridiculous things, but even outright sinful things? things just to get what we want. No, we need not to do it. We, we need not to compromise just so that we think we will be supplied. Our God can provide in ways that you could not expect, that you don't calculate. You think if Jacob did not peel the branches... If Jacob did not peel the branches and put it in front of those sheep and goats, do you think the goats can still bore, spotted, speckled, and mottled? For sure. He does not have to be ridiculous so that God can provide for him. And that's a shouting message to us. You don't have to be ridiculous for you to be provided. 
No, we don't need to do that. Would God be able to provide without our compromises? Would God be able to let us pass our grades without cheating? Without compromising? And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Certainly. Now, if Jacob was, Jacob's only concern was his family's needs and not God, why did God bless Jacob? That's a fair question, isn't it? If all this time I'm just thinking of my career, why, why is God blessing me? Why is it that God's still faithful and I still have food to eat? And I still have money to pay my fare. I still have money to pay my bills. Why is God still faithful? Now let's jump to the second point. God provides in ways unexplainable to confirm His word. To confirm His word. Jacob did not feel secure anymore because of the jealousy of the sons of Laban, verse 31. And the change of how Laban regarded him. Maybe Laban all this time was showing good attitude towards Jacob because he knew exactly Jacob. It was, he was increasing because of Jacob. But now, every wage that he would say would be the, 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 the flock would bear it. And now all these things were in Jacob's hands already. His attitude towards Jacob changed. God used this feeling of Jacob. Maybe there was fear from Jacob. Jacob did not feel secure anymore being with his father-in-law. God used this feeling of Jacob to command him to go back home, saying in verse 3 of chapter 31, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. It's time to go home, Jacob. This has been the will of God from the beginning. This is what God promised Jacob. This is the word that God gave Jacob again in Genesis 28 verse 15. Now we realize that God must have used the birth of Joseph. Because maybe Jacob no longer thought, he has forgotten that God wants him to go back to Canaan. And God used the birth of Joseph to once again steer the emotion of Jacob and think, I need to go, I need to go back home. Now, we are led to see why God has blessed Jacob. As he was convincing his wives, as Jacob was convincing his wife, let's go to Canaan by explaining to them what God has told them, has told him. Now, let's go back to Genesis 31, verses 4 to 10, and I'll be explaining more things here this time. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to him, uh, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. You see that? But the God of their father has been with me. So this is the explanation. Because the God of my father has been with me, what happened? Verse 6. You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet, your father has cheated me. So this is what happened actually. And changed my wages ten times. How bad is that? If, if the sheep or the goat bore spotted, he said, oh, your wages will be striped. 
And if it's bearing stripe, he said, okay, your wages will be mottled or speckled. He's changing for his favor. Verse 7b, but God did not permit him to harm me. What does it mean to harm Jacob? He was limiting Laban. What does it mean? Verse 8, here's what it means of not harming Jacob. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock are spotted. And if he said, the stripe shall be my wages, then all the, the, the flock bore stripe. Thus, thus, God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. The reason why all the livestock are mine, because God has taken away from your father and given it to me. Nah, this is what happened exactly there. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I said, here I am. And he has lifted up your, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that, have, that mated with the flock are striped, spotted, spotted, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. So he's doing this one as judgment to Laban. And then verse 13, he's also doing this one because of verse 13. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. God blessed Jacob because of two things that we find there. He was judging Laban because Laban was cheating. It was judgment against Laban. But on Jacob's part, it was not because Jacob is deserving. It was because God was faithful to his promise. You see this in, in Moses' theology over and over again. Let me prove to you one text. To the Israelites, before they get into the promised land, God gave this word in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 4 to 5. I want you to see this. Do not say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, the, the people of Canaan, do not say in, this, in your heart, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me into possess the land. Whereas, it is because of the wickedness of this nation that the Lord is driving them before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land. But because of the wickedness of these nations, that the Lord your God is driving you. And, and look at this, and that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. That is the same thing. God was judging Laban, but on the other hand, it's not because Jacob was Deserving because Jacob is equally deceiving and he was not even thinking of God. He was just thinking of himself. He did not deserve the goodness of God, but God did it because of his word, because of his promise, because of his grace. This is the gospel. This is the beauty of Christian life, isn't it? When, when, when God said to, to Jacob, 
I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. God is bringing back his word to David. Sorry, to Jacob. In fact, when God reminded Jacob that he was the God who covenanted himself with him, and now he, he was about to fulfill his word to Jacob, bringing him back to the promised land. In fact, if you look at Genesis 28, verse 13 to 15, where God spoke to Jacob, everything that God promised there has been fulfilled here in verses 4 to 13. Like God is saying, look, Jacob, everything I promised you, I said I'll be with you, didn't I? I said I will bless you with offspring. How many sons do you have in 11 years, seven years? 11, not bad, Jacob. And your, your uh, household is growing. I said to you, I will bless you. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that I blessed you? And isn't it true? Now, Jacob, lastly, lastly, I told you I'll bring you home. Now, pack up your things. Put all your clothes in the bag. It's time to fulfill the last promise. I'm going to bring you home. Look at me closely, church. Is this the God that you cannot trust? Is this the God that you will doubt if he delivers? If, is this the God that you would not trust because you think he will not provide? No, this is a God who bound himself to his word. In fact, when he bound himself to his word so that he can do goodness to his chosen people, he proved that that is the kind of God he is. When? When? He said in his word that the offspring of David, the offspring of the woman, will crush the head of the serpent. The serpent will bruise his heel, but he will crush his head. God is true to his word. You can put your life in it because he has already given the seed of the woman. He has given the seed of, da of Abraham. He has given the son of David because he is true to his word. He cannot lie. And his oath is, is, without, is not without a blood. His oath had blood, he ratified it, meaning to say, there's no oath of God that cannot be accomplished. Look at the cross. Look at Calvary. Look at the son. Look at the offspring who died for your sins because he is a God who will always be faithful to his word. God always does things because he has said so. That's why he provides in ways unexplainable to confirm his promises, to confirm his word. Not because you are deserving. You're Jacob. 
for goodness sake. But didn't God still be still faithful to you? Even though you lived many times a godless life and you made godless choices, even though you were just simply running for your love for Rachel, even though you were simply trying to earn for your family and you have forgotten about him, didn't, isn't it true that some of the things you do are ridiculous, but it worked because God was still there? How should we respond to this church? If this is who our God is, how should you respond to this truth? And I just want to have one, one implication for us. Just to change it. We can focus on the will of God. And let me speak to you as your brother. You can focus on the will of God. And not simply on your felt needs. Because you can trust that God will fulfill His promises. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And look at Hebrews 13 verse 5. It speaks of God providing for us. And God continues to do this because He is continually working in our lives. He's still growing us. Jacob had the support of his wife. What else would you ask? Your two wives are saying, okay, let's go. Let's go. Which bag do you want us to put your clothes on? He had the support of his wife. And most importantly, he had the favor of God. He knew it was the will of God for him to go back. There's nothing to fear. Yet Jacob still restored, resorted to deception. That's why we added verses 21. Sorry, 17 to 21 of Genesis. Let me quickly read this one. And we're almost closing. 17. So Jacob arose and set his son and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his properties that he had gained, the livestock in his possession, and that he had acquired in Padan Aram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, so he waited for Laban to go out. And Rachel stole her father's household gods. The word stole there is like deceive, a mirror of Jacob, like husband, like wife. We never know what this household thing, but probably Rachel knew exactly these were the things in the house that his father has valued. And because his father never really gave them money, he said, okay, the, your most valuable things, I will bring it to me. Verse 20, And Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to free Later on, he explained that he was afraid that Laban would not allow him to bring his daughters and his grandsons and granddaughters. Look at that. 
He has the will of God. He knew what God was with him. He knew God blessed him. God appeared to him in a dream. I'm with you. I have been keeping you. But at the end, instead of trusting God, he still resorted to his sinful ways. He, st- he was still faithful to his name. Deceiver, Jacob. And he still deceived. Instead of saying, no, I now trust God. I will turn from my wicked ways and do the righteous thing. What are the things in our lives that instead of fully trusting God, we still trust in our sinful ways? Maybe as parents, we have what we call as discarte. And many times, discarte, there are compromises in the discarte. And we have been used with discarte, which is oftentimes unrighteous, so that every single time we resort to our discarte instead of trust God and do what is righteous. Parents, what change do you think you should do if you truly trusted God for your promised provision? What are the things you need to change? Because God is faithful to His Word. What are the things you need to stop doing? If you believe that God says, Jesus says, I'll satisfy you. I have peace. Your joy will be full. You'll be complete. If you believe in His Word and He will do it to you. Would you believe it? What things would you change? Should you not stop going after your favorite sins because those sins you think would satisfy you? If you're a student and you do not believe that you can pass without cheating, this has been your way since grade one. But now you understand that your God is faithful and it can give you wisdom. Would you not stop cheating and do it righteously and see how God delivers you? God will fulfill His word. You and I can trust Him. You and I can trust Him. As I said earlier, may we come on Sunday because we want to give God a praises that honors Him. But remember as we give Him the praises, the humbled and grateful heart and a holy life is very, are very important to God. May we stand next Sunday. I know we will sin, but may we stand next Sunday with hearts, repenting hearts before God. Because we just want to honor Him and glorify Him. Here's the good news. You feel, maybe you feel like, what hope do I have? Here's the good news. God is not yet done with you. He was not yet done with Jacob. But he did not give up on Jacob. How many times did Jacob forget him? But he was still there. In fact, as Jacob, as Laban ran after Jacob, God was still there to prove to Jacob, I'm still protecting you. When he was about to face his brother, what did God do? God met him. Until... Jacob, who always prevailed through deceptions, finally when he faced God and wrestled with God, he prevailed because he humbled himself and trusted God.
He did not give up on Jacob, nor will he give up on you. This is his promise. This is his commitment to you. And you may feel, right now, I've been doing this, I still fail. Been doing this, I still fail. And you're at the point of giving up. Look at God's grace. Look at God's goodness. He never gave up on Jacob. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete until the day of Christ Jesus. We need not focus on our felt needs alone, but the will of God, because God can provide in ways unexplainable to confirm His word to us. Let me finish this sermon, close this sermon with a testimony. This week, I was talking to a friend. He was the one who brought me to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He was brought to the U.S. for years. He was working as a nurse. And he always felt like nursing is not for me. Um, he almost developed a panic attack because in U.S., um, malpractice is, you know, a lot of nurses are sued for malpractice. So he always that. And he came to a point of asking the Lord, Lord, why did you bring me to the U.S.? I want to go back home. Until God brought him where he is really good at. And that is in sales. And he loves doing what he's doing. And he is now the top two most sought speaker in the industry that he is a part of. And he's earning well. But in this industry, the top one is an atheist. And he's top two. And the atheist would always say, every time they are about to speak, back to back, the atheist would always say to the MC, to the organizers, please no prayer in this, in this conference because there are a lot of atheists in here. But this friend of mine, this brother of mine, would always hear that. But when he comes into the podium, he will always start explaining a text. And he will ask the people to pray with him. Supposedly, what he did would take him out of that industry. But ridiculously, in six years, the number one is 30 years in the company. And there are a lot of people ahead of him. In six years, he is now top two. And the, and, and the projection is just a few years, and he will, he will now be the number one. I'm not a prosperity gospel. Not a prosperity gospel. But just because we are not from the prosperity gospel, it doesn't mean to say, it doesn't mean to say that the Bible is not saying that when we choose to honor God and glorify God, God will be faithful to us. We need not to focus on our felt needs and compromise. Pursue the will of God. Because he said, all these things shall be added unto you. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you for your goodness. We thank you that you've always been with us to confirm your word and promises to us. 
though we are undeserving. Father, I pray that all of us would turn our focus to obeying you instead of our families as an expression of our trust that you are a God who is faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church Podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.